Okay, welcome to the Chronic Assistant Principals Podcast uh, for the month of February. Um, we're two assistant principals and now joined by a <laughs> Title IX, a librarian, <laughs> and she is awesome. So welcome back. Um, hopefully she'll want to do this every time that we record, right? Um, now there's a lot of rumors that the reason you added a third person is because you didn't want to be alone in a room with me. Is that true? That's what's kind of... Uh, our man crush runs deep, but not that deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we've worked together for seven years, so the mystery is already gone. Okay. And we did share a hotel room. That's right. So I, just, I was trying to make sure <laughs> yeah. that we did not... This was not an indication of me. So. But we're taking you through um, a full calendar year of our professional lives. So, welcome, and... Uh, we're getting close. Yeah. We are in February, or the end of February. Well, right we're now, recapping so February. We're recap- actually in. Right, we're in March. Recapping March. the end of February. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end. We're down to what we call the fourth you know, quarter of the school yeah. year. So very, very exciting. Okay. We also have a guest with us, uh, J.S. Um, he is an awesome person. Uh, awesome Debatable. professional. Debatable. <laughs> I, I tell him every day he's an angel. I try to. I'm in. Um, and he has 43 days left before he retires. Yes. Mm-hmm. Subject um, to the next podcast. For the, for the second time. For the second time. So That's third. Very third, yeah, yeah. So Has had the experience with the military, mm-hmm. experience as a teacher and a coach, and then, of course, today we'll talk a lot about um, what he's been doing the last couple of years. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so first thing we normally talk about is our monthly recap. I've got some very, very interesting stuff. It's, I don't know if we, you know, I know it's, what is this, like, rated R, not rated R, what do you call it? um, On iTunes, it's tagged explicit. Explicit. Feel free if you want to. So, like, monthly recap, we should just call it, like, shit you would not believe actually happens in a school. Yeah, because really that's. change the title. That's what people want to hear. Right. We call it monthly recap. Probably could be called shit that you would not believe happens at school. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I wake up at night and I'm like, I can't believe that happened. That's right. Like when the guy took a dump in the gym. Yes, that's that's been in the past. Yeah. Okay, so in February, here's some stuff that I have encountered and things that we could um, talk about as a group. In February, as always, we wound up running a staff development and... This is because we get into a holiday, which is Columbus Day, and we go into our vision of what we would call our staff development, um, where we take a day and we help train the teachers through some of the different um, things that we need to during the the school year. Adding tools to their toolbox. Adding tools to their toolbox. Very good. Yeah. And and it's always an interesting perspective because here you have – two other ex-teachers that, well, one ex-teacher that has moved into leadership as a librarian, and then you have somebody that is still a teacher. And so I'd like to get just real quick your guys' takes on Well, first, staff. can they even remember what it was? Well, yeah, but I mean, just staff developments in general. Okay. Do you feel that they're useful? Do you feel like maybe there's parts of them that are useful? Um, you know, what's the gig? And how do you like the way that we provide a lot of time for you to work in your room kind of mentalities. Uh, JS, any thoughts on how staff developments have looked through the years this year, Combo? Well, thank you. First off, thanks for letting me be here. Uh, it's interesting already. Uh, <laughs> I do think one of the staff developments from a teacher perspective is that sometimes you wonder, uh, did you guys just get together in a room and kind of throw darts? Uh, I mean, through the years, Not, mm-hmm. and I won't say that. Because sometimes, like you bring in guest speakers that are like, you know, I understand the, the, the need to, to pump us all up at, at some point, say February, because of the, the stretch down the road. And we've had some really good guest speakers here and in the district. And we've had some, some that you really wonder why they're standing up there, you know, and, uh, other than to draw their, their stipend. But, uh, but I think one of the staff development things that it's important, certainly it's important, you know, when you, when you use it. And you talked about the time in the room. I would think given a work day and staff development, you know, there's different definitions, but the fact that we're, we're able to, to come together as a staff, that's one very, very positive because we get very little of that, uh, especially in this, this rapid pace. But I think sometimes the staff development, y'all know from your perspective management, you have to do things. Mm-hmm. You have to get certain information out. 
and uh, I appreciate you know from our particular campus that we, we get with business and, and move on to other things. Uh, so is it worthwhile? Absolutely. Uh, is it, could it be done better? I'm sure things could always be done better, but sometimes, uh, seriously, you're sitting in the, in the room going, why are we doing this? You right. could have sent an email. Right. Uh, you know, and you know, since, and what you didn't say in the JS is I've also studied my, my principal stuff and you know, I've been in management before, so I get it, things have to be done certain ways. And uh, I think from a teacher's perspective, in this is, you tell me, let's get it over with and get on to other things, uh, certainly important, but to minimize the, I won't go explicit on you, but to minimize the, the kind of, is, is really appreciated because people sitting in the audience are thinking about a million different things uh, other than the speaker. Right. I always remember when I was coaching and at the end of staff development week, you know, you went through two-a-days in football and all this, everything else, and you had staff development week, which is like the hell week of staff developments. And by the end of that week, so many years, I was just like, I'm done. I'm not even starting a school year. I'm done. There's so many demands, so many new things, as you said. There's, there's new ways to deal with all these different things and blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, I'm done. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know if I can make it through a week of school because of all the demands. And, and so I get, like you said, it's, um, it's just something that definitely fits into the mix of all that. Um, administratively, we've been around long enough to sometimes see the same guest speaker twice. Yeah. And it's the same stuff. Mm -hmm. It's the same stories, same anecdotes, same jokes. Right. Um, it's like having a bad um, flashback. Right. And I know Title IX, you, you help out a lot with the leadership of the staff developments because you're one of our technology type of um, gurus are one of our strengths in that. So I know you've been able to help assist with a lot of stuff that goes on in a, in a staff development. Do you, how do you see, do you see any difference from the management side, as JS was saying, versus when you were in a teacher's role just a couple years ago, or? Um, I will say like, as you know, having worked for a couple different principals now, you know, you can definitely see the, the different styles of leadership and how, you know, some, sometimes you'll have admin that is totally geared towards whatever central office or the higher powers wants wants to get done and that's the main focus and if you don't get any time in your classroom well hey you know that's just the way it is um, versus other people that truly understand that idea that the audience is sitting there with 40 million things on their mind so why not have the time to let them get that done um, so and you know I've been lucky enough to actually get a, a little bit of time in those staff development days to do some training and and it's paid off you know the the teachers will come and see me about things afterwards that you know to touch base but I also have benefited from having that free time especially in the library because there, there are a lot of things that get put on that list of when the kids aren't here that's when you'll get that done because right. you know um, you know putting furniture together that type of stuff that just doesn't mix well when you've got 60 kids in the library exactly. um, and then also being able to collaborate with subject area teams um, you know, instead of having to cram that in when they have their subject area times, it's just nice to have a chunk of a day where I can get multiple meetings done if, if need be and plan projects and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's been yeah. pretty good. Okay. A um, couple of the other things, and, and this is kind of where we get into uh, some of these things. We had some interesting things develop in, in February. We have a dress code where we do not allow hats on campus, baseball caps on campus at all. We allow them to wear a um, hood, like a hoodie, like if it's hoodie. cold, yeah. it, but we're, they're not supposed to wear hats um, or like stockings. Any, any type of headgear. Any type of headgear. But, so we ran into a student and he came in in February one day and he was wearing a turban. And that's not in his, from as much as I would guess, his religious-based turban. He never seemed to follow any type of religion before, and I could be wrong. Right. He seemed more of the um, following the teachings of no one but maybe the latest rap person. Right. But so then here you are in leadership. I mean, the other day right. he called me a punk-ass, you know, N-word. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know that that adheres to any faith. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's in yeah. anybody's religious street, books. Yeah, street. But um, yeah, the street, the street Bible. Yeah. Right? So we were thinking he was probably wearing that for attention. Right. And so now, as an assistant principal, you're having to determine: okay, is this, you know, are you going to run into people with religious kind of qualms because of this? Is this just for attention? That kind of mentality type situation. So it was, it was one of the things that was interesting. Yeah. I always like to get called different kinds of names. I had not heard that one before. I'm none of those things. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a second thing that had happened. I know, uh, J.S., you've gotten called a lot of names. I just, if I could just take a, a, just a second about that headgear thing. You know, we're, we're battling teenagers, and sometimes from a, you, we talk about teachers' perspective and administration. Yeah. We're, uh, it's such a losing battle. Like pick your battle kind of deal, yeah, right? And, and I know our, in our district, and, and we've had the dress code, and you have to have compliance codes, and I've lived with one for many, many years. But uh, sometimes you just wonder why we're battling those particular type of things. Because, but we, you know, because the kids will turn right around behind your back and... Uh, put their cap on right as you walk down the hallway. And many of us in this hallway here and hallways with uh, with Title IX over here, we've had altercations over the hats the and those hats type of things. And, and, and I think it is an attention-getting thing. It's like the, the young man will wear his, his, his cowboy hat or wear his, uh, not cowboy, a cap yeah. down the way and got the boots. I have one that comes in every day. You know, he knows better to do that, but he does it. But it's, it's kind of attention-getting. They are teenagers, so... It's kind of like the same dress code that we've had since the early ever. 90s. Well, exactly. I guess they went and saw that movie Colors, and they were like, oh, well, we better not do this. They're going to do they, this, exactly. You know. started, and you talk about the turbans and then the young ladies with the, the bandanas. It's just yeah. all, of, all of things, and sometimes it is just a strong attention-getting thing, but it's still... Does it impact your teaching in the classroom or serve as a distraction? From a personal standpoint, yeah. it, it, and, and it's just it's where your background comes from. I, I prefer... I think it, it makes a statement that if we're not going to follow a rule, then why don't we? Why we have? Why do we have it? Right. I, guess I would say so. So if so if my principal says to me, as the, the, the campus leader, I don't want our students wearing hats, and you guys can't police everything, and my teacher friends will hate me for saying that, but you can. But uh, and then, then you know it is our, our rule to say to those guys, and hey, you need to take that thing off. And then sometimes there are repercussions of that. You know, he'll turn around, and we've all been called things for saying it. But I still think you have to have a line at some point that says, if this is going to be the rule, if it's written, then we need to try to follow it. You know, there's always temperance to that. But I really think it's like the, the cutoffs and the shorts and mm -hmm. stuff. And if, but if you turn on the television, we haven't gone there, you see these, these role models that they have. And, uh, but I, I do. I try to hold the line on it. You know, I do. And, but I'm also... Been called a few adjectives that I've written in my book for when I when I do my retirement book, <laughs> like chapter three if you'd like to turn in. Yeah. But uh, so I mean it, it's just one of those things. We continue to battle it, and yeah. uh, and and some of some of my colleagues don't feel like it's worth battling. I mean we've been in meetings where they said, look, I just want them to come to my class and learn, and and, and I, I certainly can see that viewpoint. However, on the other side, I still feel, and you know, it's philosophical. We are the last kind of hold out for a lot of these things. We talk about parents and those type of things, and there are rules, and, and in society, you certainly have to follow rules. Mm -hmm. So, my perspective. And just for the audience's clarification, we let him wear his turban. You know, he came into my office, and he was like, call my dad, call my dad. It's a religious thing, and you're, you're going to be violating my rights. And so we were like, hey, I'm going to let you wear your turban today. Wear it. So by lunchtime, we saw him. He still had his turban on, but he had put his hoodie over it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know and, if that's never wore it. Never wore it again. Never wore it again. Yeah, right. they're pretty good at calling somebody out when they're just stirring the pot. But yeah, but you get them one one on one because I took them into my office yeah. away from that audience. Yeah. You know. So another thing we run into um, is a lot of social media, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but a lot of videos, a lot of pictures. Um, that we hate that social we hate media, digital, all social media. The digital But yet we're putting this on social media. Right, no, I know. But I mean, yeah. it's, um, it's the stuff like that. And so not being in the classroom in a while, I know that it seems like from the teaching standpoint, JS, that a lot of, uh, there's still a lot of frustration with phones and electronics in a, in a classroom type setting. What, what's the, the pulse of the teacher 
in that kind of way? Well, honestly, I don't think it's 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 probably not fair for me to be the, the viewpoint because I have we all have philosophies. I think most of our uh, if you walk up and down the classroom, you'll see our teachers in various states. Educational purposes, I support that. Now, I also come from a background, as, as you know, of special education. Kids learn all kind of different ways. If I have a student that's sitting there doing their work, and I've seen this area from assistant, or excuse me, from uh, advanced placement students down to uh, the special needs population, if listening to a little music or something like that helps them get work done. I personally don't have a problem with that, and I'm sure some of my teacher counterparts would say that. Where you get into problems in the classroom is when it, it goes more than that, mm -hmm. and it becomes the, the videos, the, and, and I'm probably gonna be brutalized here for like the Instagram and the Snapchat and those type of things that are, that are going on around us that create you all problems. Those problems are the same problems we have. Mm -hmm. uh, in my environment, you know, I work in, in a credit recovery environment, and, and honestly, as long as they're working, uh, we encourage them to, to research answers and do those things. And I have students that literally multitask. They'll be looking at this, they'll be reading a passage, they're doing this. I do the same thing going down the road. So the problem is, from my perspective, is that it's a school environment. We have a rule, and it's real hard mm -hmm. to enforce it sometime when these kids are coming from very, very different, different ways. And, uh, and I have students, and I'm sure many of our other teachers will tell you, they do extremely, extremely well. And the fact that they've got a, a headphone in here and listening to whatever their, their choice of music doesn't do it. Now, tests, star tests, absolutely support it. You can't do that, in my opinion. Right. You know, if you're in the library, you got, or you got to take instruction. You know, no one wants to hear my voice, including you all, for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> but, but, you know, you would not want to listen to me uh, for 25 minutes. But, you know, in short bursts or something, kids have to take instruction, and it, that becomes a problem. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, from a teacher's perspective, my thing, I don't have a problem with, with doing that within reason. And I think most of my, uh, from what meetings we've attended, uh, the teachers feel kind of the same way. Some do. Now, there are some that say, no, absolutely not. And I respect that too, but yeah. but that's a battle they're constantly fighting, constantly. and they're willing to take it on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about February in the library? February in the library, it was uh, it was booming because uh, this is the time of year when a lot of teachers are trying to get their standard five technology projects done and get What's those that? submitted. Uh, standard five is basically the uh, standard that reinforces the use of student use of technology in the classroom. So you can't show a PowerPoint to your kids and say, no, that's my standard five. The kids have to produce something um, to basically show that they have learned content. And so um, everybody has to submit that to their VADAS appraiser um, by a certain deadline, depending on who their appraiser is. And so uh, a lot of folks usually try to get that done before spring break. The third quarter, third nine weeks is usually a good time to do that. So. Um, Squeeze it in right before the end. So you could go like the basically you go the whole year without doing that and then yeah. have one project there at the end just so you get credit for it on yeah. your appraisal. Yeah, well, and, and this year when it first came out, they had to do one, one project. And now this year they, they've got to do two. So yeah. most teachers have been pretty good about getting one done first semester and then, but they also know that, you know, fourth fourth nine weeks there's being very optimistic yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well the fourth nine optimistic. weeks it's crammed with standardized testing yeah. and they they figured that out the hard way yeah. um the first year that standard five was out there in the library gets closed a lot on testing days so. like on testing day what do you do um just there for support kind of keep the yeah pretty much i'm i could be a gopher i'm traffic control i am um, you do like um Forrest Gump, whatever it is, drill sergeant tells you to do. Exactly. We're, we're doing the same thing. Like today, um, we just finished one. So the kids have been in the classroom for six hours taking this god-awful <laughs> standardized assessment. And yeah. Luckily, we've reduced some of those, but still, there's quite a few that they have to take before they graduate. So, you know, here I come, and it's at the end of the day, and I step into a classroom for the teacher um, so that they can go and return their test materials. I What struck me was like uh, one of the teachers told me, you can feel the body heat coming out of the classroom because our classrooms are so tightly packed with kids. Yeah. Um, and that and the smells like teen spirit, it 
it's not a good smell. So the only thing I can tell the audience that it's never been in a school, like working in a school, is it's kind of like you that smell kind of is that way no matter what school you work at. And um, it's kind of like the wet dog smell. You know, you never forget it. You can step foot on any campus anywhere, I think. And I've been to That's several campuses. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it smells. Even the new uh, buildings we go into, it's got the smell of new building complemented with the smell of teenager. So We still have a couple other areas that we need to be yeah, looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was just a couple other quick things that I wanted to talk about in, as, as unique type situations. We had a student, uh, we had an assistant principal that's not here right now that had to go and address a chemical burn that had happened on one of the chairs in a science room. Um, that was always a unique type of situation, something that you would not have been trained for when you go through your trainings is, you know, how to do this. They took the chair, brought it down. I think the district even came to break, get the chair to analyze the chair. But, you know, the girl was saying, you know, my leg is burning and everything else, and you're having to contact a parent that... I don't think any of the things that we do, oh, they teach us. No, that's right. Well, that was one of them. Another thing that's usually not... On, no, on the would have never expected that. situation, we had a, a thing where we were called up to a classroom and there was a, a, spell, a smell of pepper spray. Yeah, that's pretty classroom. distinctive too. It was burning some of the people's eyes and things. and yeah. so what, Having been sprayed myself. Definitely, you have been. There's from a story a behind that. Yeah. But in the long run of running this investigation, the student, I guess, had been given this pepper spray mace uh, from her mom because mom was worried about her being out, you know, with practice and late at night and stuff. And the girl had never seen it before, whatever, an accident. Well, accidentally says she sprayed it against the wall and it came back and hit her in her own eyes. And so the nurse said she wound up going home. Um, other students had to be called. They had to provide proof that, you know, they saw pepper spray or mace or this or that. And, it, and there was actually, uh, the custodian took a picture and there was a spot on the wall. In like the oil residue. Like yeah. an oil residue type situation. So once again, a unique situation. And I believe the girl wound up going to alternative. Yeah, she, she's at, uh, an alternative placement center. Right. And then... She should be... I think she's back. She I think might she, be back. Yeah, she by might now. be back by now. And then we yeah. had a... Um, Pretty nice kid. Yeah, a great kid. But just, you know, you know, for whatever reason, shot that out in class. She, Others... Yeah. were affected. They got sent home. Others had to be sent home. We had to contact all those parents yeah. from those kind of situations. Another one that was really unique, we had an angry parent, and the parent actually came into a classroom. To confront the to teacher. To confront the teacher while the teacher was teaching. Yeah. Um, she another, didn't know what she had done wrong. Right. Another type of situation where definitely, you know, you get the phone call over the radio. We need assistant principal. There's yeah. an angry parent. In confronting the teacher and the teacher had a class yeah I mean the teacher had a class this had occurred in our gym the teacher not knowing what this parent was about did wisely and took the old class put him into the locker room mm -hmm. basically created like a lockdown situation and called the uh, called for police and administration help and then tried to deal with the parent by the time we got there the parent had jumped back in their car and left we got video evidence we got student statements but what is happening that you don't know what an angry parent can bring to the to the table so her being able to put these kids into a lockdown situation was very quick thinking because it was definitely something that you're not ready for and then one last thing before we move to the hot topic i know you had one of these but we talk a lot of at times from administration about odd enrollments and odd withdrawals and meaning that when a student comes in they're supposed to have a parent with them when they enroll and they're supposed to have a parent with them when they withdraw. And that doesn't always happen. And that doesn't always happen for different reasons, but we try to do the best that we can. But I think... And you're being very optimistic. Very optimistic. But yeah. I think, didn't you have... Because, you a, you know, the general public, they're just like, okay, we're going to pull up and drop our kid off here at high school. And high school is like the um, Ellis Island, you know? Right. We're going to take care of anyone. Right. And some 17, 19-year-old freshmen, you have 17-year-old seniors, you have all mm -hmm. these different 18-year-old kids trying to enroll themselves, um, have a lot of, or withdraw themselves in a lot of ways. But I know you had one in February that I, I wrote down because you had one where the parent could not come in because 
he could not speak or he had had a stroke. Do you remember that? Oh, the um, the student needed to withdraw, um, and the, the mom was paralyzed, basically, except for, like, um, a small portion of her mouth. It was kind of like uh, Captain Pike from Star Trek, uh -huh. you know? And they can't not come up to school, and right. so... Um, we kind of had to think outside the box to get that done because the kid's basically taking care of his mom. Right. Um, but from audit purposes and state thing, yeah, we when they to. look and say no parent has withdrawn them, but you really... It doesn't fit into a nice, neat box. Yes. Like, so those are all definitely yeah, something... You know, and, uh, the mom's trying to talk to me over the phone and it was n not a, um enjoyable thing. So we always have, yeah. we have runaways. We have a lot of different things. Runaways almost every week. Run, yeah, yeah. so enrolling, withdrawing type thing. All right, the next section. Sometimes I want to run away. <laughs> the next section, did you guys have anything else uh, real quickly to comment on yeah. from the month before we move on? I'm just glad February's over. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we lucked out. A lot of sickness. Like, we, we lucked out on the Valentine's Day drama. It, it fit perfectly in a weekend. Right. It was also with staff development. So yeah. there was just a lot. We kind of just totally glossed over because what comes with teen love drama <laughs> number one is drama perfect yeah number two is our pregnancy program yes there's um Pepper you know <laughs> and and i kind of attribute that because kids these days don't drive cars or have cars so where are they going to go you know, to do uh, those kinds yeah. of things, other than the school hallways and yeah. and the dark recesses. Of the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, God. But uh, you're right, and I, I, that has been an interesting trend is to see that a lot of kids, when they turn 16, have, are not wanting no. to get their licenses quickly, yeah. maybe as what we had seen in the like past. Like when I mean, you I and I, were, yeah. the day of 16, I was like, take me, take me, yeah. take me. Now a lot of them are kind of like, ah, whatever. Well, they're still saying, take me. <laughs> It's just not to DPS. Okay. So now this is you, you're, you're slowly. <laughs> it's been a long day, sir. Our hot topic. Well, no, but this is just falling right into our hot topic. <laughs> okay. before, before we leave February, can I just say you guys remind me sitting here with Title IX. Uh, I had a principal one time. I was sitting many years ago at my early part of teaching. I'm sitting and he walks in and he says, "Hey guys, I just wanted to tell you that uh, assistant principal, another chronic AP." found a loaded 38 last month and then uh, didn't want to bother you guys sitting around here to hear these things that's kind of the way i feel the same feeling i have now, right now I'm going, I, I noticed the I look on your face when we're ready to get up and walk out mm -hmm. thank you been very no you're I'm like how can i get 39 kind of, days yeah, without yeah. having to take 39 days well you were, i mean we're saving the next story for the next oh, for number 11 which was the uh, the the guy that came out of his car trying to Pick yeah. a fight with the bus yeah, you, driver. You in want the bus to make lane. sure you listen yeah. to next month when yeah. um, PhD here stopped a fight between a bus driver and a parent <laughs> in the bus lane at yeah. school. Great story. We'll get to yeah. that next month, so you make know, sure you tune back in. Even when I was in the classroom, I always felt like the kids are no problem. It's the adults that uh -huh. are. Uh <laughs> You are got that right. <laughs> Whether it's the adults that we work with, or the ones that deliver Show our up. children, you know. <laughs> Yep. Mm -hmm. right. Okay, right. but we're so digressing. I'm the one that has to keep us on track, I know. So the next area that we're looking at is what we call our hot topic. That's a segment where um, PhD rips something from the headlines and it keeps us in tune with what's going on elsewhere than just our district. And so, PhD, want to fill us in on your findings for this month's hot topic? Yeah, very good. Um, so if you've listened to this podcast, you're going to guess that we don't hit um, the button-down world of curriculum and instruction because um, my thought, and I know we've talked about this before, is you cannot address curriculum or instruction unless you have a safe and secure campus, safe and secure district for that matter. So a lot of what we talk about is our everyday assistant principal type things and the everyday rules that we deal with, like that we've been discussing for the past now 10 months. And um, that uh, got me kind of interested in something, as well as one of the uh, Academy Award-nominated movies that came out recently, which was, um, oh gosh, what was it called? Spotlight. Spotlight, yeah, God, I'm having, sorry audience, but it's been a long day, <laughs> and we're all tired. Um, but Spotlight, which um, kind of, it talked about the expose of the Catholic Church and the abuse um, 
sexual abuse that the priests uh, committed against um, children um, in Boston and then across the nation. Um, so got us kind of looking into the topic of sexual misconduct here in the public school system. And um, so right away, you know, I Googled this topic and it pop popped up an article from the Washington Post. And so, um, wow, I had no idea. And so what I'll do is I'm going to throw out the statistic that really kind of stuck out, which is if you have a student that goes from K to 12, um, out of the 50 million, approximately 50 million students in the public school systems across our nation, uh, roughly 4.5 of those will um, have been um, had exposed to some type of sexual misconduct by school staff of some type, whether it's a teacher, jam, uh, custodian, uh, bus driver, or support other support personnel, um, and so. That was shocking because that's almost 10%. And that comes off of a uh, commission study um, by Congress. And so you said 4.5 million. 4.5 million out of the 50 million students. Um, so, um, you know, you, um, Doc and, and myself have students, and JS, you have uh, grandkids, and, and um, your daughter. And, and and your other, and your son are all products of the public school system and in education now yeah and so if you were to have a room of 30 kids by the time you take them from K to 12 you know um, three of those of yeah will have been and now it's not just physical right and so you can talk about because no, we well you have on the well, it was, um, right. it's physical or yeah. verbal types of so abuse. harassment, harassment, you know. or verbal types of sexual comments, and, and, stuff. and this can be could be even worse than the Catholic Church because, like I was discussing, um, you you know, with the Catholic Church, you're dealing with one entity, but with the public schools, you you're dealing with um, hundreds of thousands, I would guess, of school districts across the nation, and there's not a clear cut, you know, okay. One district, like our district, may be real good at screening those applicants, whereas another school district may not. And um, then the other thing, there's no coordination amongst districts. Um, there's not a mandatory reporting uh, to licensing agencies from state to state. Um, some districts are aggressive, others are not. Um, and sometimes, the school districts punish um, employees. The punishment is worded so vaguely you can't determine the cause for termination. So right. and that's just kind of crazy. Well, and a lot of the districts do not want the negative publicity mm -hmm. that comes when the news talks about one of their people either being accused of it or being arrested from it. So they don't want to bring into attention if they've helped not sweep it under the rug, but help have this person removed from their campus, they don't want to put in their wording to where when some other district starts trying to look at them, that, okay, oh my gosh, these guys knew about this and all they ever did was just ask them to leave, you know, kind of mentality. And I know there's just been cases, unfortunately, all the time. I mean, sounds like in, in different states, in, in one of the states, there was three cases within basically a semester from a same school with three different incidents with different types of settings some male on female some male on male female on female i mean it's just and i don't know if it's something now that's being uh, reported better or if kids are with social media and technology being able to um, get more proof of what's going on or if the paradigm shift has occurred to where in the past it's going to be kind of swept up a little bit and, and dismissed, where I always talked about years ago, it was the, with Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky. I mean, after that happened, you know, JS and I were coaches and, you know, the locker room was the locker room. It didn't mean that something, misconduct was gonna happen, but you took care of your locker room. As a coach, you were supposed to handle any things that happened in your locker room. And then once that kind of occurred, and the bullying that went on with the Miami Dolphins, um, in those kind of situations, it's gone on the shift where, you know, nowhere is sacred now. I mean, and not to say that in a mean way, but 
you know, something happens in the locker room, uh, leadership needs to know. If something happens on the field, leadership needs to know. There, you have to be a lot more in the loop than maybe what you were when the coach was able to be in charge of it. If, if I may, one, one of the things too is that, you know, been around this business for, for a little bit while, some of the incidents that would be considered just, and, and probably get me in trouble, but on this explicit cast, maybe not, fun hazing mm -hmm. events, because hazing events, you know, hazing has been another one. We've been organizations, you know, we, we've tried to stamp out hazing because it leads to bad, bad things. But you, you, you see things where, like rites of passage, that no matter how much we talk about it, continue to come up. Mm -hmm. The paddlings in the locker rooms or the paddlings out on the, 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 the fields or, or, or in you know, the hallways or that, then you'll have uh, people doing, and it is, it's not just, uh, it, it is girl-girl organizations, guy-guy organizations or crossovers and things. And, and bringing it back around education, we are kind of the last holdout. Look at what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. We go after the hazers. We go after the, if we know about it, the, the predators, if you will, the, mm -hmm. the, the texting and all those type things. And, and so in, in our organizations here, and it's on your guys' plate to chase it down because most of us are in here battling the kids and trying to keep them from sending sexting messages across. Not that I, I've seen any, but I'm sure they might be out there. But I do think that's a, that's a good thing is when you tie it to this topic and when I was told those statistics this morning, I went, wow. That's, that's phenomenal. And you talk about a school of, of 2,800 or whatever we have here, and you look at almost 10% of that, if you, you, know, you extrapolate it out to this, it's, it's pretty phenomenal stuff. And it, mm -hmm. it goes back to what you said about, okay, now what are we talking about? We're talking about verbal, physical touching, whatever. And I don't think it really matters from that, but it would be interesting to know right. how I'll that breaks break down. down. You know? Definitely. Uh, and I think one of the things, I mean, just I'm guessing-wise is, because you know you can't get in the mind of any of these people that did some of these things is, you know there is such a relationship that, of trust and different things that's built between a teacher or a coach and a sponsor and their and the teacher, I mean and the student. Sorry, mm -hmm. because you don't get in the real world some of those type of situations. But you got these kids as you mentioned that are they the Ellis Island type things. They come from. No parents, a parent, they don't have a mother, they don't have a father, you're viewed as this kind of a role model to them. They need extra tutoring, they're coming in. There's just so many things where sometimes you get put into a spot where, you know, you're alone with that child. And you try not to and you try to leave doors open and lights on and you try to have more than one kid when you do this stuff. But JS was a coach, and I mean, there was he coached female sports. There was probably times, no, that you were honestly when you're waiting for the last girl to be picked up. There's one girl and you left there. Now, I mean, it doesn't lead to any temptation from your part, but it just, I mean, I guess maybe some of these are occurring because of some of these. Because if you're a predator, opportunities, you know, relationships. Yeah, that you're setting up a perfect opportunity for someone that does those kinds of things. The situation pops up where they can do those kinds right. of things. Yeah. If I could yeah. just speak to that real quick, because I think it's a great point. You know, I've, I've coached in, you know, usually I always coached on the girls' side, especially on the, the stick sports, softball. But one of the things I always try to do, and it's very, very important, is to keep yourself out of those situations. Mm -hmm. Or, like you said, when you're waiting with that last one or, or something, uh, is to make sure that the parents there, you know, and, and when they show up, everything is okay because things get misconstrued. And even to this point, you know, you have to be really careful in those situations because we, we, we can kind of cross gender. We don't see a lot of females crossing the male sports, but it's happening, right. crossing, and you see that. But it's all about that trust relationship. And you, you've got to make sure, I've always tried to, and, and hopefully I've done that, kept myself above reproach because I never want to sit in front of a parent uh, or something to say this, this appeared inappropriate over that mm -hmm. and, uh, in those situations. And, uh, it's just you have to, to keep away. If you see it's coming, you have to, to get out of it. And I think that's one of the things you see with society is that what's okay. I always err to the side of if it's if you can't do it on. This sounds kind of weird. If you can't do it on Sunday in, in church, don't don't do it. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm not approved, but I'm going to, and especially in those situations. And in uh, in you know the teaching aspect, 
and nobody likes to talk about trust, but there's a lot of trust in there when you see those kids. We talked about that this morning. You put the kids on the bus, we trust they're going to get to school. They're going to be eight or nine hours, and we trust you're going to get them home, and, and you're going to teach them and, and do right. So that trust factor has to be there across the board. It might help this, but but I don't know. Uh, and, it, and it's our job, all of us, to make the school environment safe. Exactly. It's got to be I mean, safe. And so I'm going to conclude um, this section with a quote from, um, she's a lawyer, and she was cited in this Washington Post article. And she says, from my own experience, I think every single school district in the nation has at least one perpetrator, at least one. And she's a California lawyer who has spent 30 years investigating abuse and misconduct in schools. She says, she goes on to say, it doesn't matter if it's urban or rural or suburban. Very, very, very odd. Is that anything? You know, just listening to you guys talk about it, it have flashbacks to my first year of teaching. You know, I went into teaching right out of college, stepped into the classroom at 22 and got assigned senior economics. That are 18. Exactly. Right. And, and even though, I mean, I, I can't wrap my brain around a person that would do have a relationship like that with a student but it was always something I was very much aware of right. and you know making because sure in your senior year you were 22 and there was 18 year old freshmen on campus with you and now you're 22 and you're a professional with 18 year old high school students mm -hmm. yeah. that that shift has got I mean where you were just at the same school with kids that age now you're totally it's it's yeah. taboo yeah. versus There's where it was different yeah. when you were on that campus mm -hmm. yeah yeah, mm -hmm. and I guess when you get as old as the rest of us, yeah. it, it's, there's no chances of any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for me, I mean, obviously it's not like I was going to do anything, but right. the thing I was more concerned about was, you know, is there going to be that student that misconstrues something? Sure. Or when I tell that kid, good job, they think, she's in love with me. Yeah. And it's like, no. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, you yeah, know, having to draw that line and make that line very, very... Well, and, and what I was talking about just a minute ago is, you're right, in that 20s, early 30s, the students may view you still as a potential mate or a potential date or whatever. I yeah. think you say at an older age, they view you as the dad or the grandparents. And, and so, you know, depending on your age. So I think it makes a big difference in, in the mind of the kid, too, in a lot of these situations. Maybe not all, but you're right, there's probably... An age where maybe a lot of this age-wise, I think, as J.S. said, it would be interesting to see where does a lot of this age-wise come in. Is it in that, you know, 22 to 33 range or, you know, is it that opposite spectrum where it's that 50 to 60-year-old and it's for a different reason? But, you know, I mean, because I think a lot of the kids, you know, we're, we're viewed as father figures or, you know, grandfather figures. I don't think they view us in any kind of that kind of way now. But, you know, like you said, maybe... When you're 22, 23, you were maybe viewed in some of their eyes differently than what you had right now. Well, I, th I think the moral of the story is just don't get into education until you're 40. Today <laughs> 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 was yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're getting we're close, trying to get out. Getting close to the end of the month, uh, well, the end of the show. We wanted to, uh, instead of questions from the box, okay. we're going to do uh, kind of... Um, JS, yeah. kind of intro JS and let him talk and what he does here for us. And I'll just briefly say um, we started a credit recovery program here at um, our school and we designed it so that we could um, kind of bridge the gap for those kids that were behind in their credits. Because for the general public that's listening to this, you have to have a certain number of credits in order to graduate from high school and some of those kids fall behind so they end up uh, on a six-year or seven-year track and what um, JS does is he works in the center that we've developed to get those kids back on track so instead of six years they graduate on their four-year plan um, because most of the time if you fall behind in your credits from research you drop out and uh, JS, I call him an angel every day because that's what he is. I mean, he's a gruff angel. He's a tough love angel. And um, it's not just the credits because you catch these kids up that are at risk. It's just not about the credits but also about the bond that he forms with those kids and how he's able to 
mentor them along and until they're ready to fly and leave the nest on their own. I know that's kind of, you're rolling your eyes at me, but uh, man, I'm going to miss you. So I, I want to get this down for posterity because, uh, yeah, I think the world of you. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, you guys talked about this. I actually listened to your podcast and uh, hope you get it. <laughs> One of the ten. Yeah, we got <laughs> yeah, but, uh, number, you know, number you nine. this uh, re- recovery back along the way, but the, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, just with a nutshell, is that we've been doing this for a dozen years, 13, Dr. Well, Doc, PhD here brought it over. Uh, I probably have the, the, the best job on campus. And real quick, just because I'm sitting in a room here, I'm looking around my room, I've got like 14 or 15 computers and kids come and go and it's all about their motivation. And I say that with much love to my teacher counterparts who have 30 or 40, but I get more motivation out of my kids than they do because everybody has to sign a contract that says, this is what I'm going to do. And you talk about the gruff love. Well, I mean, that's just part of it. You know, our philosophy is really not pretty good one, but either you do it or you don't because that's what it has to be done. But we are a credit recovery program. Uh, we service about 100, 120 kids a year, which is small compared to some. Uh, we're sitting on right now about 166 half credits, which means uh, look today about 100 kids have, have generated at least one credit and one has one assist a uh, chronic AP tool one time. Well, why don't they all get credits? <laughs> They're all the rough kids. The rough, yeah, that might have, that might have the been an AP sitting kids. in this room. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's a valid thing. But, you know, for, from our perspective is that we have a couple mechanisms. One, they come to us that are really far behind. We try to catch them up as much as we can and provide an avenue. One is that the, the ideal one would be graduation. Uh, our goal is always graduation. And then the second part of that is that it could be graduation from us. And then secondly, to another high school here in the district that uh, churns out credits or to another program, maybe. Uh, we've been very, very successful. I look at numbers. Uh, we, I say we as a program and PhD mm-hmm. here started and we're, we've just been real successful with what we've been doing and uh, we just continue to do it. Uh, we lose kids along the way, unfortunately, uh, because some students, you know, they're like we do, you all talked about on this cast. They show up, sometimes they don't have clothes, sometimes they don't have food, sometimes the parents don't drive them off. We, we've got it all. And uh, I've had the homeless, I've had the... Living in a dumpster. Living in a dumpster. Yeah. You're, dealing, you're dealing with a lot of the at-risk students. At-risk. That, that's and, it. We, that, right. That's our cut line. And so we're not always getting 100% no. success, but I mean, you're right. The, the level of success is is pretty incredible when you look at all of these students are really at risk for not getting these kind of credits. Dropping and out. And yeah. failed this class before. Right. And I guess, you know, just from that one thing real quick, when we had talked that one time, I just, because when I'd sit in things with counselors, or everything else, oh yeah, well just get into this program and you'll be all caught up. And so the one time when we had that discussion and we were like, we're averaging maybe just under one per student, I was like, okay, not that I was upset with this program because it's not in any of that kind of way. I was like, wow, because I just had this feeling that when anybody got in, they were getting at least one and some of the counselors may sound like they're getting three, four credits. And that's when I went to JS, it was like, just what's the reality? And it's just because I mean, I don't want to be telling a parent, oh yeah, they can make up all those classes in, in this program because realistically they need to be making up one at a time. And the success rate is great. I was just, like you said, I was baffled that because when we're hearing others, it sounded like, well, you know, you're, you're six credits short. Oh, go to that program and you'll get them all. And, 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 and Jess is like, not really. <laughs> really, you cannot just make up credits. And that's what I always try to tell the other people that start programs like this is right. that if you look at the research, you have to have that um, piece where, you know, you have an educator in there that's going to form bonds and relationships that are gonna that's gonna nurture that kid along. And what we always tell the kid is, once you're once you're in our program, you're always in our program. So right. you can get your three credits and move on, and you'll be a senior and graduate with your class. But if you ever need anything, you can come back to us, and and we'll do our best to solve your problem. You know, ideally, you're going to leave and never think of us again, and, and you know, that's, we'll take satisfaction in that, but if you come back, we'll try to solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I know we had a kid one year that was in our program that was, uh, he loved to read and was actually trying to steal books from the library. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I yeah. was like, 
I'll buy you the book buy if you it. love reading so much. Yeah. <laughs> They're throwing yeah. it up over the. <laughs> well, and, and if I could just before we, I know get off this because it's important. That, you know, I feel blessed to, to be. This is my ninth year, and then as, as we've kind of alluded to, I'm rotating on out of this system. But, uh, but I was blessed to be with uh, not only PhD over here as, as the mentor, whether he likes it or not. I'll tell him that. But also had two people are in here that, um, that that really were working with the programs, and they'll hopefully they'll come on at a later date, and you can talk about them. But but I've just been a product of this particular system. I taught out in the classroom, I've taught in the English to the core areas, I taught down in the special needs area, and in here this just kind of is the culmination for me of being able to bring it together. So we take, and we do take kids from all walks. We've taken uh, as uh, advanced placement students, gifted and talented students. I mean, they get behind in credits too. People understand the pressure these kids are under to, to, to get, and sometimes they'll stub their toe on AP U.S. History or, or AP something, and so we'll come in and we'll help them do that. The downside of our program, the best we can do is give them a 70, but, to, but at least that'll get them a half credit to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. And then, But uh, we've taken special needs students that are, uh, you know, haven't done well in these speech. They don't like to stand up and do speeches, and, and we've been able to help them with that. So that's the, the inclusive nature that, I, that I've really enjoyed about this program. And then I will say thing that I'll, I'll be quiet, because if it wasn't for the, the assistant principals, the counselors who are, are great on this, this thing, the librarians, the teachers, and everything else. Honestly, and it sounds hokey, but it just couldn't get done because I'm steady canvas, and I'm like the I'm the worst fisherman that ever grew up on the Mississippi River. But uh, I'm trolling. I'm trolling for that student that's fallen. And sometimes we get them, and sometimes we don't. And that, and I do have the one written down, and I'll stop on this. Our program is kind of like two steps forward and three steps back sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I, it's an old country western. I don't know what I saw. But I think one of the things that, that when you guys created this and it's been going on, that's nice is. One, it's, you know, the students mostly have to fail, right, a class before they yeah, are put into this. Second, that there's usually an application process and, yeah, and some yes, level of interview type of process. Right. And then third, of course, is what you mentioned a little bit, which is the 70. It is a passing grade, but it's not going to give this kid an advantage no. over some other Absolutely. kid that's trying to that's get point. to the top 10% or whatever. It's Excellent. allowing this kid to help graduate, yes. but it's not really causing somebody else that's gone through the first time well, and count, as, as a former counselor myself, I can tell you that it only counts in our district the first time you take the, on your GPA only. So you can score 100, it's not going to impact your class, your, that. So that's that 70, it's just, it's just giving it's you just credit. A, yeah, it's just, the credit. Yeah, so it, doesn't even it does make impact. sense. Right, no, that's but, good. Yeah. It's, it's exactly right. I want to say that, that I just wrote there, 90 becomes yeah. a 70. Yeah. I have students that... They yeah, they do well. The they do yeah. extremely well, and they take the test and blow through. They go, where's my grades? So here it is. So it's credit. Yeah, you'll get nothing and like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Right now, right yeah. That's our new model. Yeah. You'll get nothing and well, like it. Well, I think, well, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't use that. No, it's copyrighted, no, it I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Costanza. Yeah. So, um, any, any final thoughts? I'm going to close it out um, from any of you guys. No, no? I think Title Nine has been so quiet. You guys, anybody see? There's a rare, there's a rare occasion that I do listen to people. Yeah, she's like, I, I quit. I think we're both in shock. My headset hasn't been working for the past forty minutes. Oh well, you can take it off. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I need to. Yeah. <laughs> really? Those are nothing. I'm, I'm still picking my jaw up from the floor. Okay, so uh, it's been it's been enjoyable. <laughs> Two final things, right? My P7 story because I told. Remember, I said I. T okay, We're so fixing get over an hour on this podcast, though. You know, well, so. it's gonna be fine. Okay. Don't don't OCD on that, me. Don't, you said all these people you know, get bored after 30 minutes, and now. Yeah, we're going towards an hour. But that's I know, okay. but you've been so lively today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we could get both of you guys working, man, the sky's the limit. I think they say that on a daily basis about us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If all of you showed up and Our did something. Yeah. He's like, both of you guys would work every day? <laughs> He's like, how many days till I'm retiring? <laughs> Well, okay, so my wife is also an educator. She's exposed to a lot of germs because she teaches little kids. Not little kids, but little to us, fifth, you know, fifth grade. So she's always getting sick. Once a semester she gets a cold. So she came down with one. She says, I don't want to cook, and I don't want to go out. Go pick me up some hot sour soup from the Chinese place. So I go. 
I'm the only one there in the whole place. It's empty. The guy takes my order and says, what's your name? And I'm looking around like, what do you need my name for? You know, why can't, I'm, I'm the only person there. He can point to me. So, but I play along because it's been a hell of a day at the at your local high school. And you're a rule follower. And, and I'm a rule follower, <laughs> even though I try not to. And I say, it's, and I give him my name and he writes it down. And so, and he goes in the back and they start cooking it up. New guy comes to the counter, starts ringing up my order, starts bagging it up. And he says, you know, P7, your order is ready. And well, I, I'm the only one here. And that's not my name. But it must be me. So I start walking forward. And he looks at me and he says, your name is P7? And I said, no, it's, and I pointed it out. And he says, okay. And he rings it up. And as I leave, he says, have a great day, P7. <laughs> yeah, so. Kind of like that Seinfeld word. Yeah. Cartwright. Yeah. Cartwright. 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 But okay. I'm Costanza. So, and then that was my funny story. So you're probably at home not even laughing, probably just cringing. And the hair on the back of your neck is standing up. Yeah. (laughs) I tuned in for this. You're going on my kill list. (laughs) PhD. I'm going on a tri-state killing spree. Okay. We try to highlight all the services that it takes to run a high school in the one of the things that I've always been interested in is the cafeteria. And so we talked to their, our cafeteria manager. And I wanted to, as a final parting thought, read some of the stats. So during February, she prepared 5,300 breakfasts. She prepared 27,000 lunches. She went through 20 cases of milk a day. And that's roughly 1,000 of those little 8-ounce servings. She went through 32 gallons of ranch dressing, 20 gallons of hot sauce, uh, 3,000 bags of chips per month, 150 chef salads, 80 to 100 cases of bottle per week, and that equates out to 6,000 bottles of of water, water. Um, 1,200 servings of fresh fruit a day, 900 servings of canned fruit a day, 60 pounds of lettuce per week. That's a lot of lettuce. 50 carrots, 50 pounds of carrots per week, and 1,800 hamburger buns per week. Well, like you said, real quick, you think about that's at one district. And so when you talk about one school, one school, within a district. So when you talk about the mass quantities of this being produced by the farmers in our great country, enormous. It is enormous that you know in a district of this size, you might be ordering thousands of pounds of lettuce a week. Yeah. So and the final one I'll leave you on because this is the one that took the cake, and I've been you know I probably told you guys three or four times. Can you believe this? This is uh, she and her staff, and there's 28 people on her staff. They hand roll 864 enchiladas a week. Well, a day, sorry, a day on on our Wednesday. Enchilada Wednesday. Uh, Enchilada Wednesday. 864, and that takes 54 pounds of cheese on one day to do. That's a lot of government cheese. Yeah. (laughs) And who cuts that cheese? That is amazing, and so big, big props to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. It was. It's a long day. It's a long day. I I had nervous, nervous stomach. Because all conflict, the conflict that I deal with on a daily basis, and so these cafeteria workers get paid next to nothing to do this, and they do a great job, and they get they get consistently top marks on the uh, health inspection. And now, did I ask you in January, Batman or Superman? I don't think I we, did. You asked uh, well, that's what, a March. what were we most excited about? What March topic. Well, right? who would, okay, with the movie coming up here in March, Batman or Superman? Batman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They're two superheroes. <laughs> One wears a cake. Yeah. No well, doubt. both wear a cake. No, that's no doubt. Oh. Superman. Superman. Absolutely. Superman. If I had X-ray vision, whoo, I'd be especially yeah. my age. You, you'd have lost your teaching job years I ago. Have <laughs> I would have been the subject yeah. of your podcast. Yeah. PhD. 
Well, like the review that I shared with you today, it's kind of like rooting for parents that are getting a divorce. It's impossible. Well, I think you, I think you picked Wonder Woman. Yeah, I was like, Once well, just go ahead. She knows that. She doesn't. I mean, after twenty-three years of marriage, it's like you can have your Wonder Woman. So I'll break the tie and I will go Batman. Batman. I, I, and let me share this with. The, I have read every single Batman story since nineteen ninety-two. Collecting comics. Sick. Sick. You know the All right, guys. We will be back next month. And uh, again, thank you to JS and and Title Nine. Be sure to follow us on our new Twitter feed at Chronic APS. Again, at Chronic APS. That's on Twitter. And I've posted um, some articles on there, especially relevant to our hot topic. And as always, you can give us feedback on this podcast and the other podcasts at our email address, chronic.aps at gmail.com. Again, chronic.aps at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.